Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, pre-holiday edition. I am Alex Shane, here with you talking to my good buddy, Rich Hill, about Patriots, Colts, and all things that went down in yet another absurd week of football games in the NFL. It kicked off with a weird one. It didn't get any less weird after that. Rich, <laughs> I feel like I have a broken record at this point asking you over and over again what the hell we just watched, but I'll say it one more time for posterity. In terms of Week 15, what the hell was that? Dude, okay, let's go around the league because it made no sense. If, if you told me coming into this week that the Detroit gosh darn Lions were going to just smack the Cardinals around 30-12, to 12, I would have said you're a liar. If you told me that the Saints were going to shut out the Buccaneers and not put up 10 points, I would have called you a liar. If you told me that the Baltimore Ravens, led by Tyler Huntley, their backup quarterback, came within a two-point conversion at the end of the game of beating the Green Bay Packers, I would have told you you were a liar. And if you told me that the Miami Dolphins would beat the New York Jets 31-24, to I would say I absolutely expected that. So I'd say that there's one thing that went our way this week. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and the Jets were up by two scores at one point. They looked good. They were scoring at will. I mean, the 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 Lions, I don't know how the hell that happened. I don't know how the Steelers keep beating these teams they shouldn't be beating and then losing the teams they should be losing to. We're in a scenario, Rich, with the NFL this year where there's really not one team, honestly, even though I'm biased, outside of New England, that can string together consecutive good games. It's just you see these teams bring their A game, they look unbeatable, then they drop 30 to the Lions, or they can't get in the end zone, or they bring the Jaguars down to the wire. It's just you really don't know what you're getting in the NFL, and it's going to make for a very, very interesting couple of final weeks of the year. I said it before, and I'll say it again. I can legitimately see a scenario where we enter into week 18, or week, and the NFL is almost done, and there are maybe one or two, maybe three playoff slots decided, but everyone else is scrapping for it. You could finish as high as a three seed and as low as out of the playoffs altogether. A bunch of things need to happen, and while it's a little more stressful than I'm used to in years past, the Pats are usually either already won the division by now or they're out of it by now, uh, I got to admit, it's pretty damn fun. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it just makes the season all the more exciting when you know that any team could possibly reach the Super Bowl, when you think that any team can upset another one in the postseason. It makes all of these games matter so much more. I mean, you, you look at the teams, you're talking about ones that can string together wins. 
I love what the Dolphins are doing. You know, I've always really liked Brian Flores. And the fact that the Dolphins have clawed their way back from being like 1-7 to now being 7-7, seven seven, that's fantastic. They are now in the 11th spot. Uh, there are 13 teams in the AFC that are just one game within one game of a playoff spot. That's so many teams. There's really only just the Jets, the Texans, and the Jaguars that are out of the playoff picture in the AFC. And that makes every game all the more fun. I mean, it's obviously disappointing when the Patriots can't take care of their business against the Indianapolis Colts. But it was one of those games where the Colts deserved it. They were the better team. They, They did a great job of beating the Patriots. And the Patriots... They tried at the end, at least. It wasn't one of those games where they just rolled over and, like, stopped trying. It was one where it was like, you know what? They got the game handed to them. They slept walk through it. The Colts wanted it more. And the fact that on any given week, that could happen to any team in the AFC. You know, the Chiefs, they're currently the number one seed at 10-4. and four. They could lose to probably 10 teams within the conference, which makes it a lot more exciting than, you know, the past couple of years when it was like, obviously the Chiefs are going to make it because they are by far and away the best team, yada, yada. I'm sure that's what every other team has thought about the Patriots for the past two decades. Um, But I think it just makes it a lot more fun to see. It really does. You know, objectively, as football fans, you want to see this kind of play. It's really fun. There's obviously a wrinkle with players coming down with COVID and whatnot. So hopefully we'll be able to handle that a little bit and make sure the best players are out there. We're not to switch games around. We're seeing a lot of rescheduling going on this week, but the circumstances we can't control aside, it's just an enjoyable experience. Every game matters. I don't remember a season this late in the year where so many games were important and so many teams were depending on each other to do well. As you mentioned, Rich, Patriots lost to the Colts. The Colts 100% treated this game like a playoff game. You could tell they had it circled very early. The last time Indy beat New England was 2009 when a pretty lousy Colts. Yeah, the fourth and two game. um, Very, very well known. The defense couldn't stop anybody, so they went for it. was the 28-yard line on fourth and two, and they almost got it. And New England has handed Indy their own behinds ever since then. So they knew this was a big game. Not only for kind of the bragging rights, getting some of their honor back, but they needed this game to stay in the playoff race. And they did what they had to do. New England, Rachel, seems that every year, without fail, not just the Tom Brady era, just the New England Patriots, they kind of just show up flat. Nobody comes out of the locker room. There are blown assignments. There are drops. There are poor reads. There are stupid penalties. Nothing seems to go their way. And by the time they finally wake up in the middle of the third quarter, early fourth, and start to make a game of it, it's just too late. They're in too deep of a hole, and that's kind of how it was on Saturday night. So with that in mind, Rich, that kind of just being one of those games, and not to take anything away from Indy, who did a lot of good things, and and Jonathan Taylor's an absolute beast, but how much are you really taking away from this loss in terms of playoff positioning, how they looked, what they should be worried about going forward, and all that good stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, I think that there's a lot to still take away from it. Like, this is showing that the Patriots, they had a series of errors that they haven't done since the beginning of the year. And I think that the fact that they still committed all of these errors shows that they have things that they need to focus on going into the postseason. It's not the distant past. These are still things that could rise up and affect them. They had two interceptions that really took points off the board, especially the one right before the half. That was an inexcusable one. I mean, Darius Leonard made a great play dropping into coverage to intercept that pass up the seam, but you can't turn the ball over that way. You have the blocked punt, and see, Tut agrees with me. My dog agrees with me. It was an unacceptable pass. Um, 
And so then you have the uh, blocked punt that led to a touchdown. You had uh, another turnover uh, right after the half that led to a missed field goal, but you had a penalty on that special teams unit that led them to retake the field goal and make it. So you have all of those errors, those mental errors that led to a minimum of 10 points if the Patriots didn't score, but they were in field goal range. So that was a 13-point swing just off of those errors. They had a season high or tied for a season high eight penalties, which, you know, uh, I was looking at the numbers. Someone posted on Twitter that when you sum up the expected points that those penalties cost them because they were at such inopportune times, that was roughly three touchdowns worth of penalties because of how crucial they were. So mental errors galore show that the Patriots can fall apart. Um, and so that's the, all of the things that come from uh, if the Patriots are just smarter and better, they won't do that moving forward. So like they can fix those things. Uh, the issue that I think is like longstanding is the, how bad their run defense was. Yeah. Uh, 67-yard run by Jonathan Taylor to ice the game, notwithstanding, with you know two minutes to go in the game. He still had 103 yards on 28 carries. He still had a very strong game, and it was reminiscent of that Titans game where the Patriots just couldn't do a dang thing to stop him. Like, the passing coverage was great. Uh, you know, outside of all of those errors, the Patriots had done a pretty good job stopping this Colts offense until that back-breaking run. But they knew that the Colts were going to run. The, the Colts in the second half were without Michael Pittman, their top receiver, because uh, he had been ejected from fighting with Kyle Duggar. So they knew the runs were coming, and they still didn't stop it. And for me, that is the most concerning. Yeah, I mean, it's not, this has been a problem that's really new for the Patriots. You know, New England has struggled against the run for several seasons now, 2020, 2021, 2019. Come back to that Titans wildcard game where Derrick Henry ran all over them. If there is a dominant running attack and a good offensive line, New England's going to struggle. And that's kind of just the way it is. Carson Wentz threw for, what, 57 yards on 12 attempts because he didn't really need to throw that much when the running game's working that well. We know all too well as Patriots fans how it looks when you know you're going to run. The other team knows you're going to run. You run it anyway, and it works. You see the Bills game last on last Monday night. So my concern, though, Rich, is as we get into the postseason, as it gets colder, as time of possession becomes more and more important and possessions are harder to come by, as everyone ups their game for the playoffs, if New England finds themselves in a position where they're not playing mistake-free football on the offensive side of the ball, which they have been doing during their seven-game winning streak, and they get behind a score or two to a team that runs the ball very well, they may find themselves in a hole they're just not able to get out of. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, that they are currently... Uh, not good at stopping the run when it matters. Like, they obviously missed having Juwan Bentley out there, which, you know what, great testament to having Juwan Bentley in his growth this year. Uh, but he suffered an injury and they missed him. Uh, but Jamie Collins came out and still played pretty well. So it's not like they're without talent. I, I think that some of it comes from a schematic standpoint that, like, hopefully they can fix it. They were definitely trying to sell out to stop the run, but that just allowed them to be just super vulnerable to a big play. And it just... You know, big error from Dante Hightower to allow Jonathan Taylor to get into that second level. Um, but I agree. I mean, when teams are going to start running more, you look at the playoff teams, there's like a few really good rushing teams that could be making it. You know, the Titans, uh, if the Patriots make it long enough, they could have their rushing attack back. Uh, the Ravens, you know, if Lamar Jackson's healthy, that could be a long day. The Chargers, they have a really good rushing attack with Austin Eckler, with a great quarterback with Justin Herbert. This is, uh, you know, even throw the Browns in there with, like, Chubb. Like, they, this is a, a conference that has really strong rushing attacks that could leave the Patriots extremely vulnerable. And so 
I would like to see the Patriots rectify it. Whatever they've been doing against the run the past couple of years has not been working. Uh, they, as you said, it's a multi-year issue. I feel like they're not uh, as reliant on strong defensive, like two-gapping linemen at this point. They've been a little bit more aggressive, and it's cost them against the run. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think that it's totally fixable. I think that they have the talent. This is the best defensive front seven that the Patriots have had in a couple of years. Um, and so, so long as the team is healthy heading into the final stretch, I think that they can still compete with anyone. Uh, but for like the ultimate takeaways on this one, I, I don't mind it. I mean, like the fact that they lost is disappointing. But like Alec, what did you think about the Patriots' offense on the other side of the ball? I loved what they did in the fourth quarter. No, I mean, think about it, Rich. I mean, there was basically there were two plays, as a lot of these games tend to do. I think if Mac Jones does not throw a pick in the red zone before halftime, that's at least three points on the board. And I think it was a Jakob Johnson just plain up missed his block on the block punt. And that's that's a 10-point swing right there in a 10-point game. And if you can point to basically two plays that ended up more or less deciding it, especially given the fact that New England scored 17 in the fourth quarter, you, you have to be happy with them being able to figure it out and adjust on the fly. And at the end of the day, man, I'll tell you, when you're there's no way around it. It's just human nature. When you're winning seven straight games by an average score of 35 to 10, and there are talks of rookie of the year and the Patriots are back and all of this stuff, it's almost impossible not to lose that edge a little bit. And you get a little cocky or you get a little whatever you want to say. And the offense is playing well enough. They can clearly score points at well when they need to and Mac Jones is locked in. I'm actually happy in a lot of ways about this because I think Mac Jones probably learned more against Indy than he did the past six weeks combined. <laughs> he was he was challenged. He had to throw from behind. He made some mistakes. You can put some of the mistakes directly on him. He shouldn't have made them. He's still a rookie. Learning curve is a thing. But I think it, you always lose. You always learn more when you lose than when you win. And that he was able to bounce back the way he did while still taking some of that away, that locker room fodder, that bulletin board fodder. Uh, I think this is kind of the kick in the pants the Patriots needed because if I had to lose one of the two games into your Buffalo, I'm very glad it's Indy. So hopefully the Patriots are able to take this, let it motivate them, realize they're not perfect, they're not infallible, and these last three games, they really need to win them to keep hold of that two seed. So really important to see how they respond here. Totally, yeah. I mean, if, if they had to lose any of their final four games, this is the one to lose. Yeah, you got a game against the Bills and a game against the Dolphins, uh, and then one against the Jaguars, which matters less, but obviously that would be the most embarrassing, so you don't want to lose to the Jaguars. So if, if the, the, it was always going to be unlikely that the Patriots would run the table, uh, if they had to lose one, this is fine. I mean, you, you look at what the Patriots roster looks like moving forward, uh, Damian Harris should be back. He is a better runner than Ramondre Stevenson. New England absolutely missed having him out there. Uh, you're not going to have as many of these mental errors moving forward, right? Like the fact that they had a special teams touchdown allowed and a season high in penalties, that is something that you just is not going to happen. The Belichick teams don't do that. So like you can feel pretty confident that that's not going to happen. The Patriots were still 6 of 15 on third down and their defense was only allowed 2 out of 10. That's very good. You win in that game most circumstances. Uh where I would like to see changes moving forward, Alec, I would like to see a little bit less reliance on Jacoby Myers. Uh, I've been beating this drum for a little bit this season, and I think Myers has a lot of skill. I think he's a great number two receiver. Uh, if you look around the league, I think that he has high upside as a number two target, and they need a true number one out there to kind of 
free space up for him because right now he's getting poor opportunities. He had 12 targets and only 44 yards to speak of it. Uh, and that's been kind of his stat line for most of the year. He has become Mac Jones's safety blanket in the sense of over-reliance. Uh, you, you look at in years past when, uh, you know, the Patriots with Tom Brady, if other players were suffering from injuries and he only had Rob Gronkowski and a bunch of scrubs or he only had Julian Edelman a bunch of scrubs, Brady would hone in on one of them regardless of whether or not it was a good attempt or not and just throw 15 passes their way. Uh, and we see a little bit of that with Mac Jones and Jacoby Myers as, you know, Myers as the safety blanket, as the option, as the check down, whoever it is, and throwing it to him and getting nothing to speak of from it. And I, I think that that's a problem because it makes the offense less efficient and because there are good players in there. Hunter Henry has been playing very well. Kendrick Bourne is in the middle of the most efficient receiving season in Patriots history. Uh, and you're, you're, you heard that right. Um, he is averaging like 14 yards per target, essentially, uh, and that is because he is making the most of all of his opportunities. That's the most yards per target in Patriots history. Uh, he's currently number one in the league right now. And so if you can find more opportunities to give it to Bourne, he is making more of it. And that is obviously because he's operating within the offensive scheme. It's not saying that Bourne is a better player than Myers, but within the scheme of Myers getting a lot of defensive attention uh, and also not being in the optimal space for passes, find ways to get Bourne more involved. And I, I think that there are changes that the Patriots can do to make their offense more efficient. Uh, and I think the first step in my mind is starting to move away, you know, at least five of the passes that go to Jacoby Myers and distributing them to other receivers. Or maybe, Rachel, they contribute them to Jonu Smith, who yes. I feel like there's this really weird correlation between I'm also like almost like a Pavlovian response to me where, oh, here's a John New Smith end around. Hey, 25 yards. Oh, there's the flag coming back. What do you know? I've <laughs> never been in more of a correlation between like a John New Smith potentially field altering play and some kind of hold or an illegal block or whatever it is that calls the play back. They haven't the Patriots haven't quite figured out how to use him yet. And I feel like at this point in the season, they probably won't unless Unless they have some kind of Johnny Smith package they're saving for the postseason. It's not a ridiculous thing to think about, only mildly ridiculous. <laughs> I'm glad Hunter Henry is doing what he's doing because he's definitely the best tight end on the team. Mac Jones has his trust more. But when the Patriots, I think Johnny Smith, correct if I'm wrong, but I think Johnny Smith was the first kind of like big name signing they had in this free agent madness. And when the Patriots got him, we're like, oh man, McDaniel's going to figure all these creative ways to use him, these end arounds, these sweeps, use him as a running back in the backfield. He's such a versatile move tight end. They haven't had that since Hernandez. I'm excited to see what they can do with him. And it's just never quite panned out that way and every time it starts to look that good something happens to call it back so maybe this is the the time of the year where they uh they dust off the john new smith package game involved more as well yeah i mean honestly with with uh harris missing time with them uh having some injuries or just absences in the running back room i thought that they would have given more opportunities to john new smith out of the backfield um but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that they're saving anything for him. I think we, we know what they think of him. They think he's the better run blocker of the two between him and Henry. Uh, Henry has more of the trust in the red zone. I'm shocked that they haven't found a way to get Johnny Smith more involved in the red zone because New England's red zone offense has been bad, uh, actively not good. Uh, and Henry has been the only reliable target out there. So the fact that they can't find opportunities for another six foot three player to, you know, who is very athletic with mismatches against defensive 
defensive backs and linebackers to not get more opportunities in the red zone feels a little bit neglectful <laughs> from Josh McDaniels and company. Uh, and I would have a hard time believing that they're saving it because this would have been a game where they should have broken it out. Um, so I think their perception of John Smith is what it is. It's always a little frustrating. There seems to be certain players on the Patriots roster where uh, I feel like whenever we talk, there's like very visible opportunity for them to be better utilized. Uh, you know, we always talk in the past of like throw the ball to Sony Michelle because he can catch it and run. Otherwise, they're just going to stack the box against him. Uh, and I feel like that was just a misutilization of him uh, in that same way where it's like I feel like there needs to be better schemes to just get the ball into John Smith's hands because he can do stuff with it. Uh, but, you know, so long as other players on the other side of the field are getting flagged for penalties uh, and getting Smith's big plays taken away, if you just box score hunt, it's going to seem like he's not having an impact. But I have to imagine that they keep going to that well because they think he can do it. And one of these days, uh, you know, whoever the fifth wide receiver is on the field won't commit a penalty uh, and John Smith's going to break free. I also hope, Rich, John Smith, and I don't think he is, but there's always the possibility that these players that do so well on other teams just can't quite figure out where they fit in New England. They can't pick up the playbook or the cadence of the offense or the defense, whatever it is. They bring in these guys that they're so excited, the Joey Galloways or the Chad Introsinkos, the Doug Gabriels, the Adelius Thomases of the world that just they're great elsewhere and they just can't quite figure it out. Again, I don't think that's the case because they do keep utilizing him and he does well when he gets the ball in his hands. But that is at least a fact to think about. Maybe John Smith is one of those guys that's never quite managed to, to find his full stride in New England. However, that does not matter because this game is over. It is behind us. Patrick's still in great position. It's so funny how fickle we are as football fans, Rich. If you were to tell me in August, Pats are going to be 9-5 and five in late December until this past Saturday they were the one seed in the AFC. They lost that to the Chiefs, who, won, who were in the Super Bowl last year, and can still win the division against the Bills this week. I would have been so happy with that. I'd have been like, what a major success this season already is. It's gravy from here on out. But, of course, memories are very short, and people are pissed about it. Now they're not getting a first-round bye, potentially, even though it's still very much on the table. It is time to turn the page over to the Bills. I know we're going to break this down in much more depth on our Thursday podcast, Rich, but any early thoughts about a game against the Buffalo Bills? And I think, personally, you can't really take anything away from their matchup two or three weeks ago because that was such a weird condition weather-wise. Yeah, no, the only thing that I can absolutely guarantee in this upcoming game between the Patriots and the Bills is that Mac Jones is going to throw for more than three passes. That's the only <laughs> thing I feel comfortable guaranteeing. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, I don't know uh, if the Patriots think that Josh Allen is as good as everyone thinks he is. I think that obviously he's very dangerous. He's very talented in the fact that he can like hit a home run on any given play. But I don't think the Patriots believe he has that consistency that uh, the really great elite quarterbacks in the league need. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots, like, tested Josh Allen, like, obviously not to escape the pocket. They're going to try and contain him, but, like, to try and have the ball in Josh Allen's hands because I think that the Patriots secondary can do a pretty good job uh, against the pass. So I think this should be a powerful uh follow-up game for the Patriots where if they lose they're not going to win the AFC East that's the case they're going to be battling for a wild card spot hopefully they can cement that with games against the Jaguars and the Dolphins to close out the season um, but hopefully the Patriots can win so that way uh, you don't need to have a week's 18 victory against the Miami Dolphins in Miami to dictate the future of the season oh, what a what a 
kick in the nuts that would be, Rich, if not only did the Patriots cost themselves a potential AFC East victory with a de- with a goal line fumble week one, but then also another Miami loss in week 18 to bookend your season with losses would be no way to bring in 2022. However, I'm getting ahead of myself, Rich. We'll talk about that and more on Thursday. Turning the page, congratulations to Indy. One of those games, I think more aberration than predictor, and I'm still pretty confident that New England, if they play consistently, can make some noise in the AFC playoffs. Absolutely. I believe that, too. Uh, as you mentioned, we'll break down Patriots-Bills later in the week. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week 15 of the NFL season? Who knows, Rich? I don't know anything anymore. I never really did. So I'll just wish you <laughs> and yours a happy holiday. Hope you enjoy your time off and some good food, some good family. Hope everyone's happy and healthy, and I'll see you on the other side of the Christmas break. Awesome. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Bye, everyone.